Sports. Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. Hello there. Happy holidays to everyone. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Joining me for this week's show, episode 17 of the Packers Wire podcast, is a special guest. I'm super excited. It's Esther McLaren, the associate editor of USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Fans of the show have, well, Esther, they've been hearing your voice all season long, right? Along with Jeff Clark. Welcome. Go ahead and let our listeners know all the things you've got going on. I know, you know, what you do extends well beyond Sportsbook Wire. You've got the uh, Bet Slipping podcast that we've heard about here throughout the season. You also do some work for Golf Week, I know. Uh, so just give us, uh, give the listeners a little bit of a, a little bit of a glimpse at the resume. Hey Ryan, thanks for that, and thanks for having me on. And yeah, Sportsbook Wire is the main gig, and Bet Slipping podcast as well. We started up a little before the NBA or before the NFL season. We caught the end of NBA and had most of the MLB season covered, but NFL is where where the main money is at and where the, the betting money can be had as well. So we've focused on that. And, yeah, I do a lot of golf work as well for Golf Week and Sportsbook Wire. That season wound down for now, but uh, looking forward to the Tournament of Champions in early January, the return of golf and another, well, hopefully four majors in 2021. So looking forward to that. But, yeah, we have a great Week 16 in the NFL and, which shaping up to be a, a good end of the season in a lot of division races and what should be a very exciting playoff run for a lot of teams. Yeah, no doubt. And this is uh, it's exciting on Sportsbook Wire, too, with the NBA tipping off and the playoffs coming up here. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on on Sportsbook Wire, so people should definitely check that out. Uh, for me personally, Esten, I'm always excited to listen to the, you know, the sports bet of the week here on our shows because – you got you and you, Jeff, and you guys break down a game, and I'm always wondering because I'm I live out here in New Hampshire, where literally we have the app on the phone, and you can just bet on your app. That can be dangerous for people like me that aren't an expert at it, but it is really fun. So I'm always looking for any any advice, any edge I can get, Esten. I'm always listening. And, but you and Jeff, you guys are never agree. You guys never seem to agree. I feel like if you guys like walked around outside, one of you would say the sky is gray, and the other one would be like, "Nah, you know what? I don't think so. I think it's kind of blue." You know what I mean? You guys just don't seem to ever agree on uh, on what side you're you're going to be on. So I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you guys to agree on one, but it doesn't seem like that ever happens. Yeah, and I'll tell you that that's just natural. That's not that's not a show by any means. That's just how it works in sports betting, and it goes to show you can make a case for any side and. Yeah, money line betting, maybe not, and a lot of heavy favorites. Well, last week, the two heaviest favorites both collapsed and fell down. That was uh, not very good insanity. for a lot of betters. Yeah, but absolute insanity. Yeah, that, that's why we tend to stick to the spreads, and you know, you can make a case for any team on there, except usually the Jets. But uh, hey, even even they can get something right every now and then. Yeah, I'm, I'm still salty over the Jets winning. You know, me living out here in New Hampshire, I, I don't want to see the Jets do well. But I also don't want to see them get Trevor Lawrence. So maybe it's a silver lining there. But the Packers are coming off a win over the Panthers. An unspectacular win, I guess you could say, right? I mean, 24-16, the Panthers actually had the ball with about a minute left, 80 yards from the end zone. Packers were able to finish that game off on defense. One thing Zach and I have been talking about on the podcast, Eston, throughout the season is Green Bay... They haven't played that well at home. I don't know why. I don't know why they haven't played well in Lambeau. Maybe they missed their fans or something. I don't know what's going on. But ever since the bye week, right, they lose to the Vikings. 
They like survive the Jaguars in a really ugly game, 24-20. Uh, they do smoke the Bears, but they always smoke the Bears. Green Bay owns the Bears, and you can ask Bears fans about that. They'll, they'll tell you. And then recently they, they also held off the Eagles in that game where Carson Wentz was benched and Jalen Hurts come in and they give up, uh, I think it was a special team score, and all of a sudden that game gets close at the end. And this game against the Panthers, too, a one-score game where they don't cover. For some reason, the Packers kind of struggle at home. And I know we're going to break down this game against the Titans. We'll be talking about that. This is like one of the games of the season. Titans-Packers, Week 16. This is awesome. But I'm starting to wonder, like, at what point do we start fading the Packers at home, Eston? You know what I mean? Like, they just, it's almost like one of those things you can't really put your finger on. But for some reason, they kind of suck at Lambeau Field this year. Yeah, and, you know, they're 8-6 and six against the spread on the year. But, you know, everywhere... It seems that they, you know, do enough to win. Like they, they've had some big spreads all season long, and rightfully so. They're one of the best team in the NFC. Anyway, one of the best in all of football. But yeah, the, that was for an eight-point win. It was, as you said, lackluster, I guess. And yeah, that's been the theme for them. Really, is they they win handily, but they're not really putting the the foot down. I guess they're blowing anybody out to their full capabilities. I don't know. Uh, yes, and they come in here against a very good Tennessee Titans team, you know, three and a half point favorite, so a smaller spread. So one that you think they should be able to handle pretty easily. That's, you know, you don't need to blow somebody out to win by four points. Sure. Uh, obviously a, a tougher test against the Titans than they've had recently against the Panthers, Lions, Eagles, even theirs. And like, yeah, uh, they're a weird team to figure out, but I, I think, this more manageable number is one they can handle. So a lot more to get into with this game, and we will here coming up. But one thing that Zach Cruz and I have been doing, Eston, I've had a nitpick of the week. I've been trying to like give the Packers crap about one thing a week because they've just been rolling all season long. There hasn't been a lot that you can kind of nitpick with this team. All the stats are in their favor. They're right in the driver's seat to be the number one seed, and Rodgers is probably going to be the MVP. And this week I don't have a nitpick really with the team, but I do have one that I want to talk about. We'll do it coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Welcome to week 16 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays in the championship round for most leagues. Derek Carr left last week with a groin injury that was deemed a one to two week situation, but he's been splitting first team reps with Marcus Mariota. For all of the on-paper upgrades Miami made in the offseason, it has struggled to contain competent quarterbacks, especially dual threats. Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Patrick Mahomes. All of them trounced this group, and even rookie quarterback Justin Herbert found success. Mariota is the better recommendation in the event he starts, just because we don't know what to expect from Carr's injury. But the matchup is right for either player. Sticking with the same matchup, but on the other side of the coin, running back Lynn Bowden of the Miami Dolphins takes on the team that drafted him in the Raiders. Bowden is a running back-receiver combo and can be flexed out into the slot. In fact, he does that more often than not. He's by far the most talented natural receiver out of this backfield, but keep in mind he offers nothing from the running game perspective, with just three carries in the last three games. Injury question marks with Jakeem Grant, Devontae 
Parker and Mike Kosicki leave this passing game a little thin, so it will be all hands on deck. The Raiders have given up five and a half receptions a game to running backs in 2020, and Bowden is poised to eclipse that mark. Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Tyron Johnson versus the Denver Broncos. Injuries have slowed receivers Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and it opened the door for the explosive Johnson to see more action. His 12 targets in the last two games after only nine on the year entering week 14. There's a ton of risk here since he's a low volume, high yield type of player, but the Broncos have permitted 21 different efforts of at least 10 PPR points in 2020, and both Allen and Williams scored in the earlier meeting. Johnson is an intriguing flex flyer. Chicago Bears rookie tight end Cole Komet at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Understand by starting him, you're taking a tremendous amount of risk, and this is purely a flyer for a touchdown against a defense that has been atrocious at stopping tight ends in 2020. Only the Jets have allowed more touchdowns on the year to the position, and no team has given up scores at a higher frequency than once every 5.2 catches. But seven times the position has been held to 36 or fewer yards, which makes this the epitome of a gamble for a touchdown. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. So, Essen, the Pro Bowl rosters were announced this week, which means that's what everybody talks about, right? Everyone's going to talk about who was snubbed from the Pro Bowl. Everyone's upset. And it feels like people are more interested in the Pro Bowl this year because there's not an actual game. So the actual roster that comes out, it's probably not going to change unless there's like some great gesture by someone wants to drop out of the Pro Bowl to let somebody else in or something. I don't think that's going to happen. Guys actually have incentives tied to these things, the Pro Bowl. It's as crazy as it sounds, but I think it's a video game this year, right, with the pandemic. So the Packers had, I think, arguably the biggest snub of all in tight end Robert Tungian. He was snubbed for Evan Ingram. Ingram did not have a good year for the Giants at all, and this is going to be my nitpick of the week is how the hell was Big Bob Tungian not picked for the Pro Bowl? You look at the production he's had this year. And Zach was putting this all over Twitter. 49 catches, 551 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns, no drops. It seems like every time he's targeted, he catches the ball. He's probably the most efficient tight end in football. I know he's he's not the most productive tight end in football, but he's one of the most efficient in, in terms of what he does with his targets. And a guy like Evan Ingram, man, eight drops. He's been involved in all kinds of turnovers. Up and down. I think Giants fans have kind of had enough of him, and it's one of those things. I found that to be just kind of egregious that Ingram would get in over Tungian. I think it has something to do with name recognition. But what do you think about that? And I'm sure, you know, you know a lot about Tungian. He's been kind of a fantasy stud this year for guys that scooped him up. What do you think about that, though? Ingram over Tungian in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I mean, every year we go through these lists of Pro Bowl snubs. And even outside of football, you look at top movie rankings and <laughs> snubs on that. And sure. Everyone always has the question is, like, well, what what are you taking out to fit in this snub, right? right usually, right. it's a it's a tough thing to do. You say, oh, this guy deserves to be there. Well, yeah, so do those, so do those other four, though. Well, yeah, this year it's blatantly obvious who should be coming out. Evan Ingram does not deserve to be a Pro Bowler this year, and you know we're we're getting upset about a game that's not going to be played. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, you feel bad for Robert Tunyon because you know it, it means something to the players at least to see their name on there and have that next to their name on their pro football reference page. But yeah, uh, I really don't know what was going on there. And in the AFC as well with Jacksonville Jaguars running back, James Robinson, the year he's had as an undrafted free agent, one of the best undrafted free agent rookie years we've ever seen, especially at the running back position. And he should be there as well. And, you know, you look at who you can take out. Well, Josh Jacobs probably shouldn't be a pro bowler this year the Las Vegas Raiders. So yeah, we had a couple glaring mistakes you can call them, and I, I, I don't. I don't know how it happened. And Robert Tanyan, yeah, uh, excellent year, and he's 
become that number two option that Aaron Rodgers has needed for a pretty long time. He always seems to be open uh, on the seam. Everyone wants to shade their coverage to Devontae Adams. you got to worry about MVS going down the field, and all of a sudden, Tunyon's just wide open, and when Rodgers throws in the ball, he usually catches it and produces. So, yeah, just a tough one. And like I said, he's kind of been a fantasy stud for people that play in the season-long leagues and picked him up off the waiver wire mid-year. After, you know, he had that big blow-up. I think he caught like three touchdowns mid-season. And all of a sudden, he became like a fantasy asset. It is championship week for, for a lot of fantasy people, right? And this is a game I think people will be paying attention to. You got Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Tungian, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith. Like, all these guys are going to be in fantasy lineups, whether it's daily or season long. Who are some other, like, good plays you think? I think, you know, Tannehill just had a huge game, you know, last week. He just, he's doing it on the ground. He's doing it through the air. He's a sneaky guy in daily fantasy. He's super cheap. And... When you look at the over-under for this game, I think it's at 55.5 at some books. You can get it at 56 in other places. Uh, this is like the highest-scoring game on you know the betting slate, I think, for over-under for the total. So there's going to be points on the board. So I think you look at a guy like Tannehill or a Corey Davis, uh, you know, maybe an MVS from the Packers, you know, guys that could be cheap in daily fantasy but have a chance to get in the end zone because there's going to be so many points scored in this game. What do you think about that? Yeah, if you're in your fantasy championship this week, a pretty good chance that Tennessee Titans players and maybe a Packers players led you there. Absolutely. You're absolutely putting them in your lineup this week. And yeah, betting and fantasy go hand in hand. So you look at point totals each and every week. That gives you a good idea of the games to attack in this one, the highest total on the slate. As you said, both these two teams across the board and sort of any offensive metric you want to look at, any off- offensive stat really, they're one, two in the top three anyway. And the defenses, you know, if you maybe bad's a bit too harsh, but they're they're certainly not good defensively in either one of them. So yeah, there there should be a lot of offense in this game and it's gonna be all the studs. And yeah, I I don't I always have a tough time myself with the Packers. I you know, Alan Lazard was supposed to come into the year as that number two option. We haven't really seen that this he's, year. Obviously, he's been quiet lately. Time with injury. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and missed the missed injury and hasn't really squatted back into where he should be. A part of that is Robert Tenyon taking over, especially in the red zone as the big option. And MBS, he has great games and he has bad games, and it's very frustrating for fantasy managers and betters alike. Uh, you know, this matchup probably going to be a, a good game, but I don't know if you can trust MBS in your fantasy championship, especially not if you have money on the line. Uh, and then, yeah, for the Titans, Corey Davis has come on a great season opposite A.J. Brown. A real good number two for Ryan Tannehill there. I'm starting all three of those if I have them. Obviously, you're starting Derrick Henry as well. Player props come out usually Saturday or Sunday for NFL games. You know, there's, there's going to be a lot of real juicy ones this week. And, uh, you know, a marquee Sunday night matchup as well. You're going to want to look at those numbers, but they're probably going to be inflated based on the spot. I'm going to be looking at some unders on those yardage totals this week. Even Derrick Henry rushing yards, Eston? Uh, you know, it, it's risky. That may be one to just stay away from. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree. So so Eston and Jeff always kind of pick a, a game for their, their game of the week and then give their take on it. Like I said earlier, they usually disagree. Uh, but... Can you guess what game they're going to pick this week? Oh, man, there's there's one that kind of pops out. We'll, we'll talk about that more coming up next. Hey, 
It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of BetSlip and Podcast and SportsbookWire.com. It's week 16 of the NFL, and I'm joined again by Jeff Clark, my colleague. We're breaking down the Sunday night football game between the Tennessee Titans and Green Bay Packers. The Packers are three-and-a-half-point home favorites at Lambeau, minus 105 odds. The Titans on the road, plus three-and-a-half-point underdogs, minus 115 odds. Big game for both teams. Playoff implications all over the board here. Packers trying to hold on to the number one seed in the NFC. I'm on them to win by at least four points. Jeff, I think Matt LaFleur just gets his revenge against Tennessee Titans, even though things worked out pretty well for him. He can't be too angry at them. Yeah, I'm definitely swung the Matt LaFleur uh, revenge game. To me, it's a toss-up with the offenses. It's a bit of a toss-up with the defense. I'm willing to concede Green Bay is a little bit better on the defensive end or more reliable. Uh, But the game just means more to the Tennessee Titans. Um, They haven't locked up anything, not the AFC South, not an AFC wild card, whereas Green Bay has the NFC North all tucked away and could be looking ahead to the playoffs or just wanting to rest up, not giving a full effort. Uh, Give me the three plus the hook with the Titans. All right, Essen, that was a big reveal, right? Now we know you're on the Packers at home. Minus three and a half in this game against the Titans. As you said, the Packers haven't been a team that kind of blows teams out, but you don't really need a blowout spot here uh, against the Titans. Just need to win. But three and a half, uh, it is a little sketchy. You're, you're still on the other side of three. So a field goal game, you don't get it done here if it's a three-point final. But what, what makes you feel like the Packers can get this thing done at home against the Titans? Go back to that Cleveland Browns, Tennessee Titans game a few weeks ago. And you know the Browns, we're just able to move the ball in any conceivable way against the Titans up and down the field, especially in the first half when they ran up the score and you know didn't need to do anything in the second half. Well, the, Fal- the Packers can do that as well. Excuse me, uh, with the run game and the pass game, probably no team in football has as well of a well balanced attack like that. At least not as dangerous in both facets. So you know that Tennessee Titans defense, we touched on it. It's pretty bad. It's pretty exploitable, especially I look for Aaron Jones to have a big game and obviously Aaron Rodgers to keep on doing what he's been doing. And, yeah, uh, you know, they can outscore the Tennessee Titans in a similar way as the Browns did, I think, and build up a, a big enough lead. You know, obviously the three-and-a-half spread, as we said, you got to worry about the backdoor cover a little bit. Titans certainly made a charge against the Browns, but Browns were underdogs in that game, so they, they covered and won outright. But yeah, uh, the Brown or the Packers, excuse me. Yeah, three and a half points. I, I feel good about it. And you know, the Titans defense is just so susceptible to both the run and the pass that it could help to take out Derrick Henry early on. And dangerous to say, and that's a dangerous game if that's how you want to win. But that's what I feel is going to happen Sunday night. Maybe this is just the amateur in me, so I want to get your take on this. I'm looking at the total, and one stat that popped up. You guys have the betting stats on the sportsbook wire, and I pulled that up. So the Titans 10-3-1 on the over. So they're one of the best teams at hitting the over. And it's kind of like you said, Eston, right? They, well, first of all, they score a lot of points, but also their defense is so bad that they find themselves charging back and having these really high-scoring games as a result of that. And the Packers score a lot of points as well. They're probably the most efficient offense in football. 
The over-under's at 55 and a half, 56. Depends on what book you're looking at right now. I think it's probably going to move a little bit. But for me, like this one screams over to me, but... Sometimes I get a little sketched out when I when it screams one way or the other, right? Because the betting stats say, "Oh, look at the over." The two offenses, the two defenses, the the game script feels like it might be the over. So that's where I'm leaning. But am I just falling for a trap here? What do you think about that, Eston? Yeah, the overs or the totals on pr- any prime time spot Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Well, this week, Friday through Monday. But uh, yeah, they're they're always dangerous in these standalone games just because they have that national audience tuning in to watch and national audience wants to see points scored. They want to see touchdowns. So everyone wants to bet and over because that's what they want to cheer for as they're watching, especially with this team and with the fantasy championships as well. No, no one's hoping for a red zone stop in this game. So yeah, uh, 56 and a half. I'm okay with that's probably going to rise through the week. It's really tough to not see it continue to climb north. Agreed. I I would watch if it goes much higher than 56 and a half. What do you think about alternate bets? Like, you know what I mean? Like you can get those alternate spreads and and maybe get worse odds on your money. Do you what, what do you think about that as an amateur better myself? Like I always kind of look at that I'm like, man, maybe I'll maybe I'll take less odds to get the line at 55 and a half if I feel better or 55. But now you're kind of cutting into what you could, you know, what you're going to get paid back on. So I wonder if, like, as a as a seasoned sports better, is that a good strategy? For certainly for a long term strategy, you're best to play it safer and take the smaller payout. Mm. You catch a ticket, you win money. So that's that's what keeps you coming back and keeps you able to do it longer. You can also go the other way and you can get a riskier bet for a, a bigger profit if you're more of a occasional better and you only want to bet the game you're watching if you're not doing every game on the slate. So, yeah, the, it's the fun part of source betting. There's so many ways to do it, so many ways to view it. Uh, but certainly for a more successful long-term strategy, you should play it safe and, you know, you can bet this one down. You look at the alternate lines, whatever sports book you choose to be at, and yeah, you can go as low as 45 and a half. Obviously, you're not going to get a whole lot of money there, but I feel confident in these two teams combining for 46 points. No, me too. Yeah, that that seems like a slam dunk. Okay, cool. Well, that's good advice there. Eston McLaren joining us from the Sportsbook Wire. Eston, thanks so much. I learned a lot. I appreciate the time. And I'll be looking forward to working with you again in the future, my man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ryan. It was great. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.